The Witch's Second Daughter by Marissa Lingen The flowers outside the witch's cottage bloomed black with little shiny purple leaves. The villagers tried to say the blossoms themselves were deep purple, not black. But Garin was the second daughter of a witch, schooled from birth, that she must never, never call things as she knew they were not. Telvin, Garin's older sister, had the other half of the witch's training, and that was to always, always call things what she knew they were not. Telvin called the Craven Oak a man, and made of him a husband who was solid and dependable, though not, perhaps, as swift as some. She called the cave a home, and made it cozy and neat, though she could not keep cheese in it for more than two days for the mold. She called her mother wise, and listened to her counsel. The way of the second daughter was harder. If the witch had only one daughter, she could have taught her everything. If the witch had a third daughter, she could have taught them all as she pleased, for the fate of the threes was not tied to their teaching. Garin won a frown from her mother and a pinch from Telvin when she pointed out that the two of them did not match at all. Telvin had just turned the black blossoms of the witch's forest into creamy roses and gathered them into her hair for her husband to admire. Garin said, Roses won't protect you from your shadow self. Telvin scowled and said, I need no protection from you, little sister. Every bramble and leaf in the forest is my spear and my shield. And when she said it, it was true for the time. I'm not your shadow self, said Garin. The black blossoms give you protection from your shadow self and from fire. Telvin wanted to argue, but she had had a younger daughter called Gid, who had tried to lay hands on the roasting spit just a week previous. Not all of these are roses, she said aloud. And so it was in her saying, some turning back to the black blossoms. Garin said nothing, but tied them in Gid's glossy black plaits. It was Gid who upset Telvin, not Garin, which was a surprise and a novelty after all of these years. Gid was three, and when Telvin said, You are a sweet and good child, instead of being a good and sweet child, Gid said, No, I'm not. And along with it, she gave her mother a look of such skepticism that Telvin huffed her breath out indignantly and bustled Gid over to her Auntie Garin's cottage to stay there a bit. I'm not a sweet, good child, Gid repeated for Garin's benefit once Telvin had left. Likely not when you don't care to be, said Garin. Gid climbed onto the bench beside Garin's kitchen table and swung her legs from it vigorously. I often don't care to be. Have you anything to eat here? Garin put her hand on her hip. When have you been here and not gotten anything to eat? Never, admitted Gid cheerfully, and waited. Garen gave her a fearsome, fond grimace, such as childless aunties make, and got them bread and honey and the black raspberries that ripened at the same time as the black witch's flowers. What shall we do today? asked Gid, her face not half as sticky with honey as another child's would be. I shall wash the clothes and hang the chamomile leaf to dry, said Garen. I don't know what you'll do. Your mother left without asking whether I had a plan or no. I could see quite at the river, said Gid. See that you do, said Garin. She regretted it later, for Gid did stay quiet. She stayed so quiet, in fact, that Garin did not hear anything but a little plop when she fell into the river, and not a shriek alerted her. Just Garin's damp and cheerful wave as she floated by downstream, managing to keep her head more or less up.
Darren swore by the powers that had shaped her family, took off her dress, and plunged into the water after Gid, leaving one or two socks drifting behind her. She was a strong swimmer and used to the river, but it was not a time for pleasure swimming. She was amazed Gid was all right, but when she got to the side of the pool where Gid was floating, she could see what had happened. Gid had been snagged by a river kraken. You're all right, said Garen cautiously. She hoped it was what it was, since she had never learned her sister's skill at making what wasn't. Yes, of course I am, said Gid. Only this thing won't let go. I see that, said Garen. Is it biting? No, said Gid cautiously. But I'm getting cold. I'm coming back, said Garen, still cautious of what she could and could not say for true. River krakens were capricious and venomous. If she dove in after them, then the thing could sting them both. Better to get her sister's greater powers. Telvin, luckily for them all, was not far off. The two of them raced back to the river to find Gid still there, treading water miserably. Mama, help, she sputtered. It's got me around the middle. You have a ledge just under your foot, baby, said Telvin. Kick down. It's there. It's solid rock, but the kind that's all stuck together. Sedimentary, said Garen, putting in her knowledge of what was with Telvin's creation of what wasn't. Telvin cast her a dubious look. Like Auntie says, so your foot don't slip. Gid shouted back, I found it. Now what? This kraken's already emptied its venom sack, called Telvin desperately. The beast turned at her and hissed so vilely she had to add, Oh, maybe not. Don't let's plan on that, Gid. The Kraken's a magical beast and not much amiable to first thought of spells, said Garen. Well, now you tell me. What did you get me for if I couldn't spell her out of this? I thought you knew, said Garen, and I didn't know what else to do. Shall I shout that the water is cold and that the beast is slippery and bad-tempered? Sometimes second daughter truth is not very useful. You're a powerful witch, Gid, Telvin tried. You already know all that you need to know to get yourself out of this. Don't be silly, Mama, Gid shouted back. Of course I don't. Wretched child, why do you pick now to thwart me? Telvin muttered under her breath. Garen shook her head. She knows it's not true. You can convince anyone else, but not your own daughter. Telvin looked miserable. No, you, she said tartly. Well, if I can't make the gid that isn't, and I can't make the kraken that isn't, I don't know what else. Freezing the water will do more harm than good. You gave her the ledge, said Garen. Yes, it wasn't there before. Garen looked at her niece and felt her own power stirring. You were strong, gid, yelled Garen. You nearly choked your papa with a hug, and him a born oak. Talvin looked at her incredulously. With the ledge under your feet, you are strong enough to choke a kraken. Gid, soaked to the bone but no less incredulous than her mama, stopped thrashing a moment. She stared over the water at her auntie. The ledge gives you leverage to hold behind his head where the fangs can't reach. Choke it. Telvin muttered, this is your gift, not mine. You had better know what you're about. If I don't, said Garen, I'll be in that river with the kraken myself in a moment. Many's the time I would have pushed you in, but all years ago, said Telvin. They watched as Gid, the granddaughter of a witch, the daughter of an oak tree, shoved hard against the underwater ledge and grasped the kraken around the neck. Her little arms barely fit, 
but she squeezed as hard as a blacksmith, as hard as a bear, as hard as a python, and the river kraken went limp. Gid slipped out of its coils and swam to the middle of the river, where she completely ran out of energy. That was all right. Her mama and her auntie had swum in together to get her. They bundled her up over Garen's shoulder and took her home to bed. I'm sorry I didn't watch her better, said Garen. Telvin shook her head. You watched. Children will do things like this sometimes. It's their way. And I'm using your gift, not mine, when I say that. If I could, I'd make her obedient and sweet. No, you wouldn't, said Garen. Telvin smiled and stroked her daughter's drawing curls. No, I wouldn't. She needed the ledge. She needed you. She needed you, too. It's all right to see things as they aren't, too, you know, said Telvin. You have to sometimes to see what they could be. What they could be comes from what they are, said Garen. I know that, said Telvin. I just don't always say it. Garen thought about that. There's some good in not saying everything, you know. I had seen that, yes, said Telvin dryly. They both looked down at Gid's peaceful sleeping form. She'll have both, said Garen suddenly. If you have another daughter, you'll have to have another yet. We can't let her be split like this. I thought it was just me that wanted to give her everything, said Telvin. Garen put a hand on the tangled little curls. No, not just you. This has been a Podcastle Miniature. The Witch's Second Daughter was written by Marissa K. Lingen and originally published in Andromeda Spaceways, issue number 49. Miss Lingen lives in the Minneapolis suburbs with two large men and one small dog. The story was read for you by Jen Rhodes of the Anomaly Podcast, an award-winning monthly show hosted by two socially functional geek women. They discuss sci-fi and fantasy books, games, movies, shows, and general geek topics. Find it at anomalypodcast.com.